0: I think we're getting the hang of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. It feels good to have a few episodes out in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think we should uh, give out Morgan Chansey's personal information? (laughs) I think some um, (laughs) listeners have been sniffing around.
1: Keep getting asked, when is he coming back? Is he a regular guest?
0: Yeah, I didn't think we were going to have any reoccurring characters, but it looks like we might have one in the running right now.
1: Man, there's a dead deer down off of whatever road down yonder ways. If you want to get in touch with Morgan, just leave us a message in your iTunes review and we'll get back to you ASAP.
0: Yeah, as long as it's got five stars, I promise we'll get in touch with you.
1: Also, people seem to like the music biz Inside Baseball with Kevin.
0: Yeah, man, they did.
1: Just 20 days to write, produce, and record a brand new album.
0: You know, for me personally, it was good to talk to him again and kind of rehash all that shit. As you can imagine, I've forgotten a lot of it, uh, (laughs) and I blame that on a few things, but my memory is now refreshed, and I I look back on it fondly.
1: Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure. (laughs) This week, we wanted to switch it up a bit, and get into more of um, a story about an interesting person.
0: Yeah, something a little less personal to you and I that that uh, people can uh, latch
1: on to. Well, I've always liked Ellis. I think she's super funny. And my favorite thing about today is that you get this window into her personality. Or at least, I think you get a window into her sense of humor.
0: I think she uh, presented that side very well.
2: Marin, what's his name? Mark Maren. Mark Marin.
0: The vice thing has been such a constant in uh, a lot of people that I talk to or know, you know, their lives for so long that it's interesting that someone I've known for multiple years is now kind of in charge, you know, as the editor in chief of the actual magazine, which, you know, got everything started over there.
1: And I do love the way she came up starting out, I think just as an intern and then Hangs in there for a long time. You know. Now she's leading this team of people. That's just interesting to me. I, I love that that's all happened for her.
0: It's a true Rags to Riches story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, the sense of humor is very much tailored for me.
0: Yeah, oh, me too, for sure. I mean, I, I like all kinds, but this one especially is appealing. It's fun. You don't know what's coming next.
1: I wonder, d- does that really come through in audio?
0: I think sometimes the subtlety does not come across. You can't see someone's face. You know, You can't see if they're <laughs> smiling or laughing or whatever.
1: Well, you know vice occupies a special place in my heart and really it's because when i was 19 and had just moved here my little rock band was meeting people around town and my friend Peter sperber gave us a very kind review in vice i believe the quote was that this band is the sound of diving headfirst into a pile of garbage <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty positive yeah and the crazy thing is that things started happening for a band after that review You know, labels were calling. We managed to get a lawyer and convinced RCA to give us some money. It was very exciting. I just moved here. I had no idea what's going on. (laughs) So I have that Vice story. And later, my next band, The Wait, was called upon to do the, the soundtrack or original music for a Vice Films project titled The Ride. The cowboy that
0: wins the world championship. He wins a million bucks.
1: It was pretty crackpot. The documentary followed the lives of some real rodeo cowboy dudes. <laughs> I'm talking about the goons that represent the best of the best at riding angry farm creatures around a stadium. <laughs> anyway, it was something that Bryce put together. Yeah. It was totally fun. Got to work with this woman, Meredith Dan Luck. Not sure if you know her, but anyway, she was the director.
0: I liked that. And I thought it was cool.
1: Yeah. You know, Bjork was at the opening. Bjork, Bjork, she wow. was there. Aaron missed her the first time when we were walking by. Had to do another that's, lap.
0: That's tough to miss. She must have been really <laughs> focused on something else, man.
1: How do you miss Bjork? We walked by and I thought that Aaron saw her because Aaron loves celebs. You know, celebs are a big deal for Aaron. <laughs> and I, I know that about her. We walked by Bjork and my first thought was like, "What are you doing here? Like, why do you care about this particular thing?" I think Meredith maybe was personal, friends with her. Personal connection. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the opening was at MoMA, so I mean, it was pretty legit. Oh shit, I didn't really realize that.
0: Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's oh, very yeah. legit. Yeah, that's blockbuster.
1: <laughs> We're walking into the theater and I thought Aaron saw her, and then we passed by and turned to Aaron and I'm like, I know you must have enjoyed that. And she's like, What? What? What did but I miss? It's fine. It's the same as it always is. <laughs> like, No, that was Bjork. Didn't you just see her? She was right there. And, and that's when heart rate skyrockets. She her starts, face starts, gets red. And she's like, I missed it. I missed it. Like, look, look, we'll, we'll pretend like you need to go to the bathroom. It's okay. We'll do another lap and you can see her. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons she loves me. But
0: I think that... Um, Aaron, that is. Bjork, not Bjork. I think Bjork's a pretty big... I mean, as far as sightings go, that's like a weird one. Oh, yeah. I mean, she lives in like the woods somewhere i would imagine you know i, th- I think she's chosen to be cut <laughs> off from society so to have her strolling at the moma is an odd thing i think that's a good sighting yeah. <laughs> you know well my my relationship with vice is pretty long-standing you know i um
1: I think you were you were early, uh, you were yeah. very early on that. You were like a teenager when you started. Uh, yeah, hanging I think with I
0: was. Ones. I was under twenty, I think. Yeah, I was the distributor of the magazine. <laughs> what did that mean at the time? That meant that they would send me boxes of the magazine. They would get delivered to the store that I worked at. Was that Wish? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They'd be like on a pallet. This is Chris's pallet. <laughs> yeah, it's like annoying. It would come on AT really? wheeler. Yeah, yeah and then um i would put them into my car and drop them off at the places that they were you know at the time were distributed which then it was all like you know whatever the cool places were uh, like criminal I, records or something yeah but i had like a i had a little bit of a say in it too
1: you get one you don't
0: yeah yeah cuz you no know, people were the landscape was just so much different. It was such an important thing. People, if if every once in a while, I, for whatever reason, less magazines would come, oh, right. and I would have to ration them differently. <laughs> so if a place got like one box, I'd just be like, sorry, B, I have to bless. This. There's only so much wine I can get out of this water. There's only so much, and people would be mad be like, "Yo, what's up? Why did you skip? Like people would be mad at me. People would ask where it was like if it wasn't there on time and you know, it was a, it was a thing people really cared about and I I really cared about it. I really liked it and I thought I was really into magazines and that was one that I was particularly interested in and it really, you know, spoke to me. They were killing it.
1: At that age, I feel like it was the subversive magazine that was still independent where you felt like maybe you could actually believe what they were saying."
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. It felt very counterculture. felt very counterculture in a way that wasn't cheesy.
1: I think that's why they can be a billion-dollar company today and still matter to people because your culture is your culture. I'm sure people aren't doing drugs at the office anymore. R.I.P. My early memories is that the place was so party time early on and just ridiculous. And I'm sure it's not like that anymore, but still in there. It's still part of your DNA. It
0: It happened. Yeah. And I also think that whole mythology behind it is something that allowed it to be special to people. Like, how could they get this done but still be so crazy? Yeah. The stuff was good and they broke or were the first home for a lot of like really important photographers and really important writers. Ryan McGinley and Terry Richardson and and Richard Kern and all those guys were shooting all the time for the magazine and that's probably the first place i saw a lot of those people i mean this is a long time ago so i was reading the face and index and id and then vice was kind of like the the one that it was a little more tailored to me maybe at the time
1: and out of that you become the media company for millennials in a way
0: i think it's a natural progression i don't know why people get so upset about it i don't think that they've i think they've changed the scope of the work they're doing i think that human beings mature <laughs> If I acted like I did when I was 20, I don't think people would really put up with my bullshit.
1: Yeah, well, definitely not at 40. No, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. That's what I mean. It's like you can't. I think that if you're still making good stuff, then I don't care if you've changed. As long as it's good, I'm happy.
1: You don't want to just cut straight to Ellis pretending like she can't remember Mark Marin's name?
0: No, I would actually prefer that. You're <laughs> forcing me to do this intro, so I'm just doing what you tell me to do, boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should say who Ellis is,
0: and besides the fact that she's not related to me. That's true, yeah. The first name and last name usually. Even if they're the same, you're not related. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy out there, man. The world. how it works. Well, Ellis has been the editor-in-chief of Vice for over a year now.
1: And people have been making note of the fact that Ellis is the first woman to be editor-in-chief in in the magazine's 20-plus year history.
0: A lot of other major media outlets like to lead with that. Yeah. The magazine has recently been uh, redesigned, which is also something people are talking a lot about.
1: It's still a huge magazine. I mean, I think I was reading that they have still, what, like a million copies per issue worldwide.
0: I believe you're correct.
1: Putting up major numbers.
0: (laughs) Numbers on the boards. I'm glad you did some research, man. Oh yeah, I know you're coming prepared, <laughs> coming in hot with yeah. the facts. So yeah, I mean that's Ellis in a nutshell, really. <laughs> and so you just want to cut to us bullshitting about how she does not even listen to podcasts. That's exactly what I want to do. I wish we could have led with that.
2: I've uh... never listened to a single podcast. You've
0: never listened to
2: a podcast? I know, ever, no, never. Um, I downloaded Serial and I never listened to it. You just wanted to keep up with what everyone was talking about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You never let li- you've never listened to you don't even like when you hear people talking about it do you fake like you know what you're talking about that you're talking no.
2: about No I know about serial uh that's, that's it comedian Marin what's his name Mark Marin Mark Marin <laughs> That's fake come on you knew his name <laughs> his first name <laughs>
1: What's his name? It's the guy that runs
2: the Catholic Church.
0: Yeah, I think his last, first name is Pope. I can't remember what his last name is. I get
2: nervous when I'm talking to some situation like this. And I forget people's names.
0: You don't have to come off the dome with just fire. It's okay. <laughs> okay. But I love it. I think it's really funny you've never... Because I was that guy for a long time, and I felt like I was late. What do you listen to when you exercise?
2: Rap music? Yeah. Why well, would you listen to podcasts?
0: A lot of pe- I do. A lot of people do.
2: How does that motivate you?
0: It's more distracting than motivating. Like no. you focus... You're so focused on something else. Like I can't... I can't listen to a podcast while I'm like working or something because I'm, if I'm having to think about words, I can't listen to other words. Yeah, I'm the
1: same. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to listen to music that I've already listened to, that I already know and like.
0: You know that he only watches movies he's seen before.
2: <laughs> how does it, that isn't, that, is that possible? Because how do you not- It
1: stopped at a certain point and now he only goes backwards. He doesn't go forward. Ju- it's just recursive at this point, you know. <laughs> what
2: was the last new movie that you saw?
1: Uh, probably 1993's Dave, um, starring Kevin <laughs> Klein. I once caught a fish. This day. You've seen some Seven Theaters and no, shit. No, I've, I've seen plenty of movies. I just, I think when we're looking at a list of movies and Aaron's like, what do you want to watch? You know, if I'm being honest, it's 1993's Dave. Thank you for doing this, Ellen. There's something comforting about it. I think with television, I want to watch Cheers. Mm-hmm. I want it to be over in 20 minutes and like, mm-hmm. like it took me years to watch Breaking Bad. i still never
0: watched it. Right, me neither. Me neither. You I know to, me. I avoided it intentionally for years. It gets too popular and then I feel like I've already seen it and have an opinion on it because I've read about it so much or seen it so often. Mm-hmm. What do you, so what do you listen to at work?
2: I don't listen to music at work either.
0: Just silence? Do you have like white noise on and headphones or anything?
2: No, no. I feel like because I talk to my team so much and they're always like they're on either side of me and in front of me. That whenever I put music on I feel like the minute I do that someone's always like, oh, okay. yeah, hey Yeah, and then I only do it if I'm like doing something mindless like an expense report because then I just like
0: Inflating really... expense reports is not mindless. Okay. <laughs> that takes that takes math. That's like a spreadsheet But how many people are there that, that are right there?
2: My team is like seven people or something
0: So, so it's seven it's... people and then freelancers
2: and then some part-time people like a part-time Art editor and a part-time fiction editor.
0: Well, I wanted to talk about the um, the redesign of the magazine
1: yeah the magazine and what the job is like because it's it's still pretty new right
2: yeah like a year a little over a year does it
0: feel a lot longer than that
2: yeah but i think just because i've been the company for so long yeah how, yeah how long have you been there i guess since 2008 but then i left for like nine months not, I just not sp- to have a baby i just wanna- <laughs> <laughs> i realized that i kept telling people that because i like that was the amount of time i had left to go to a different job and then finally someone's like oh did you have a kid and i was like what no, and I'm like oh fuck everyone I've been sp- telling if
0: you hear nine months I think that's what a
1: lot of people assume plus you kept saying that you're on leave you yeah know. yeah yeah I, I <laughs>
0: that is really funny like no 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 I don't yeah. have a kid you start bringing one around <laughs> I think the day to day of it is interesting to a lot of people because I think that I just think that people I know and maybe we know, know how magazines work and like how things actually get done every month and like kind of how the workflow is. But I think most people that read magazines casually probably don't understand that Mm -hmm. because it is a lot of work.
1: Redoing the book at the same time as everything else, I know that's definitely hard to do. Mm -hmm. I think the reason that the redesign is also interesting to me is that, isn't that the first big thing that you've done, like really big project since taking over as editor?
2: Yeah, so this guy, Richard Beckman, who's now is leaving the company. He was the chief revenue officer and he worked for Condé Nast and like Vanity Fair and Vogue and all the big ones. It was his idea to do a redesign. He just thought, let's reinvigorate the magazine and let's make it the best of what the company is. Well, that was Shane's vision is to make it the best of what the company is. But, and just take some time off and focus on the mag and make it more aligned with what me and my team wanted it to be because obviously for the long time, since I was there, it was like Jesse Pearson was editor-in-chief and then it was like Rocco Castoro. And then it's always been what their visions were. So it was nice to sort of take like two months off. Yeah, to really focus. To make it more in line with like what we wanted it to be. Um,
0: I also think it's good to stop really concentrating on as opposed to kind of like trying to fix it while you keep doing it.
1: Like fixing your car while driving?
2: Yeah, nothing was wrong with it. It was not like it's like failing or anything. I think it was more just we wanted to start a new conversation about what the magazine is and what we wanted it to be. And so we took two months off. And everyone, I think, just thought we were, like, fucking off and, like, not doing anything.
0: I definitely did, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: but <laughs> there's no way my boss would have kept paying us if he thought that's
1: what was happening.
0: That's, that's definitely true, too.
1: Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering how that process kicks off. You know, how do you kick off the rebrand?
2: I don't think it's really a rebrand. I think it's more of the company just changes as we get older and right. as we expand. And, like, you know, obviously, it's been around for like twenty one years or something now, and the people who started it twenty one years ago were different people and their
1: Rebrand's not the right word, perhaps. Um, relaunch, refresh maybe. But mm-hmm. whatever the case, my question is, how does the company begin a project like this when you've got all these when you've got the new broadcast stuff happening and while the new visual identity system is being propagated across all of Vidom? I don't know,
2: I can really speak about the magazine because the company is so big now. I think, it's not like I'm in all of, like, every room at every second talking to everybody and no like,
0: I thought you were. I'm a little disappointed.
2: Yeah. I really just have this eagle-eyes office in the <laughs> yeah, middle yeah. of the very big top.
0: That's how I imagine it. So don't kill my dream. But with...
2: And I have slides that I just, like, <laughs> take down to go to different departments. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, you're just up in the nest.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, for the magazine, we never called it, like, a relaunch. It was a more just a redesign because we really were just changing, like, design elements and, like, refreshing it and changing Like I've never had to do a project that was that big and be responsible for so many of the decisions. And I kind of hated a lot of it because there'd be like an hour long or like huge email chain about, okay, which font do we like?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's way too many options. It's like different
2: fonts that look exactly the same. Oh yeah. I know. I think I like that one. Well, we like this one or what about this one? It's really just like three of us, like me, Matt Shane, who's like the executive design director. And this guy, Alan, who's been the mag designer for like years and years and years since they're both come from like design backgrounds, they would look at it and be like, okay, well, like the spacing between the lines and the space between the letters is different in these 10. So which do you prefer? And I just like stared at it and be like, I don't fucking know. Like, I'm
1: trying. <laughs> yeah, how are you supposed to know?
2: Then I would ask other people and they'd be like, they'd have so strong opinions. And I'd be like, how do you even, how did you decide that? Are you just guessing? Because that's what it looks like you're doing.
0: <laughs> well, I understand exactly where you're coming from because I'm not a designer and you are not a designer either.
1: Well, I am a graphic designer of sorts and can say that, there's no reason for Ellis to have a strong nuanced opinion on these things.
2: I mean all the little details. I don't really care enough about fonts and like spacing and I'm with you. I mean I think margins, if, like...
0: once it's good to me, it's yeah. good. Yeah. The the tweaking beyond that, like you're like when it's ten that look the same. Yeah. I think you have to be trained to make that decision because yeah. I don't have anything to base it on.
2: No, me neither. It's just, I would just sort of guess and be like, I like that one, and like look at them, <laughs> see what their faces look like, and be like, or I like this one. And just <laughs> oh, of- <laughs> I, I misspoke actually. Number
0: five is great. I'm sorry. I, I apologize.
2: Um, I guess it's also just weird to be in charge of something that's been around for like 21 years and know that the decisions that are being made are because you want to make them and yeah. the readership or whoever likes the magazine a lot as is right now. If you change one element of it, they might hate you. I haven't gotten any like bad feedback, but. I seriously doubt like any readers are gonna like write in. They might on Twitter, but I haven't seen anything. No yeah, one's I was t- I said, no but- one's tagged me in any hate mail yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that you call it mail. <laughs> so we were wondering how
2: global the job is.
0: I know you guys have offices all over the world, but it starts in New York, right?
2: What happens is like we make the magazine in New York. And then that gets sent out to all of global. Then they take what we made and basically can like take some things out if it's too US centric and then like drop in some local content so that.
0: So it's native. I mean, you guys can't do everything because from New York, you can't really, you know, do. It's
2: probably unlikely that we're going to write about some more niche things. So so they do contribute sometimes to the actual issue, but it's something we want to happen more because we have people all over the world. Like
0: Yeah, and you should if you have a team like that. Um, I'm I'm really interested to find out how you guys work together internally the magazine with the digital side Um, You know is is your team kind of separate do they operate on their own? No,
2: I mean, I mean the whole company started off as a magazine like 20 years ago It has grown into some crazy monster of a media company that there has so we have so much going on at all times that It probably be impossible to ever fully understand and know what every single department is working on at at all times because that would probably take like at least like
0: yeah that could be two or three people's full-time job
2: running around and like collating all the ideas and projects but we try to work with everyone like all the we have like 10 or 11 digital verticals now bump and noisy and motherboard and broadly id all of them have columns in the magazine that was part of the redesign is to give them their own like space because you just like walk three rows away and be like what are you guys working on and they're experts in that field anyways and like have them so I think it's pretty immersive, pretty, like everyone, we use the word synergy a lot. Mm, give there's me that corporate of, talk. Talk, talk lots that talk. of synergy happening, but <laughs> I mean, on the day-to-day, it's me and my team because they're the ones who have to actually like put it together. Like we're not going to go bug, it's more like planning ahead and figuring out what content they're working on and finding the best way to incorporate it in the magazine too.
1: So I understand you don't run the company, but what about the beginning of the Mag redesign?
2: Yeah, so I think it was started with me and Richard Beckman and probably Hosey, who's my boss and the general manager.
1: You're riffing with the magazine bosses talking about how... How we wanted
2: to sort of change it from a more of like a creative and like editorial voice perspective and less, for me, about design. That design obviously mattered to the design guy and like <laughs> the Mag guy. <laughs> well,
1: I understand what you mean, but I'm thinking of design in a more global way, at least... I see a magazine redesign as a very comprehensive kind of project. Like, What kind of edit changes do we want to make? Mm-hmm. How should we organize the front of the book? Mm-hmm. You know, as well as the aesthetic changes. For listeners that haven't been knee-deep in this kind of work, I think it's helpful clarifying what design means here. You know, mm-hmm. In a conversation, you might tell someone, yeah, I just finished a big redesign of the magazine. And, and they may say, oh, yeah, looks great. Love that font. It's not always clear that we're talking about updating the entire machine that is Vice magazine, from content to edit to sales and on down the line to white space and margins. But that does remind me, though, I'm curious if there was ever a discussion about bringing on an agency. How'd you decide to handle it all in-house?
2: because we always have well alan alan the magazine designer isn't in-house actually but he's been doing it since before i even started oh yeah
1: what's it called what's, the, what's it called
2: incubator yeah yeah with a k not a c yeah it's all, i
0: just i've read that <laughs> so many times
2: um but he's been designing the magazine since basically way longer than i've been here so it just felt natural just to use him so we've all worked together for so long that it would have felt weird probably i guess to bring in some outside agency we never even thought about it
1: Well, when I was at Athletics and we'd be brought in for a magazine redesign, there was always an in-house design team. But they had their hands full producing the magazine, you know. We got to close by Friday night. So they're working at capacity and didn't really have the time to focus on a a design project like that. And in those cases, I think an agency can be a great fit. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that Vice is capable of handling it in-house. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's something about your schedule or or simply the company's willingness to take time off for a redesign?
2: Well, I think we took, if we wouldn't have taken those two months off, it would have been terrible because you basically would put out a magazine at the same time that you're trying to redesign it. And that would have been, that's like two jobs in one. Exactly,
1: that's like what is the normal schedule and what changes did you make to it?
2: The schedule? We did 12 issues a year normally, now we're doing 10 just because like January and July are always just terrible for sales, no matter like what magazine you are. And we just thought, let's just condense it and focus on making 10 really good magazines, good issues. I mean, so we'll do nine issues this year since we took off January and February and we're taking off July. But more or less, it'll be the same. Like we're always closing a bit late. And, always be closing. <laughs> you know, the mag always comes out like mid that month, just because that's just how we roll. You know, <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure wait your, till the last
1: minute. I'm sure all your friends know, you know exactly which day of the week it is that or yep. each month. else like, is big. unavailable this yeah. weekend.
2: Third Thursday of the month is the worst day.
1: I think my first experience closing a magazine was the Forbes redesign. First of all, to be clear, the real work of closing wasn't my job, but. Since Athletics was handling the redesign, we worked closely with their internal team. And and it was cool seeing how they did it. Mm-hmm. As content was locked, they'd print out spreads, lining them up down the hallway, like yeah. a long hallway. They, mm-hmm. They'd turn a corner and keep going. <laughs> but about a week out, pages would begin sprinkling in and by close, you had the whole magazine lined up. Yeah. It was
2: pretty cool to see. I've only ever worked at this magazine, so I have no idea if the way we do it is like fucked up and the way everyone else does it is different. But as far as I can tell, I think anybody who works in a magazine, they're late at least one night a week. No magazine's ever done on time. Like, oh, there's I, always I things never. that go wrong.
0: I think people do it that way. I think, like in the in the Vogue movie, you know, it shows Mm -hmm. them with it all on the wall, you know, and then they take it down and hand it, and you look through it, you know. But I think that that's the fun part. At least it's like done, kind of, you know. At least you can see it (laughs) all, like you know, feels real.
2: I think with the redesign issue, I just stared at the thing for like two and a half months. That when it was finally done, and then we got the issues, I just sort of like looked at it and like put it in my drawer and like walked away because I'd stared at it so long that like sort of hit this point where like it goes from. Really high expectations, really high morale. that it goes straight down. You're like, oh fuck, what are we doing? This looks terrible. I don't know. This is there's no way this is going to come together. And then it slowly builds back up. And you put it out, and it's gone and it's in the world. And then you just stop
1: thinking about it immediately because you can't
2: bear to think about it. Because I'm right. if I look at it again, I'll be like, this looks like shit. Like, <laughs> I
0: mean, it's like when musician you know, it's like when people record a record and it comes out six months later. They're like, I hate this shit. I don't want to hear these songs yeah. <laughs> ever again. I got to go play them for a year now. Yeah, you know,
1: something I like about the podcast is. When it's finished and it's been released, it's finished. You just can't keep fucking with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I guess you can technically update the MP3 later, but not for the folks that had their podcast app auto-download new episodes or whatever. Whereas with so much of the digital world, it never ends. I mean, you can always keep fussing with a blog That's post. That's
2: scary. I think is that I think know nothing about digital. Like, I'm still finally like kind of t- starting to tweet stuff. But even then, I've I noticed just, I've
0: noticed your I increased know, but, presence on the platform. But
2: can you tell? It's like it's not my personality. It's, it's very I professional. Can't, I can't. Like the first tweet I put out was like a joke because it was like the day that the lady who's in charge of um, the Academy Awards accidentally said someone's name is Dick Poop instead of Dick Pope. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the day I started my Twitter account. And so... You're like, I'm getting in. You're i are Yeah. Like, i
0: have to do this right now. Sign me up.
2: I signed, I signed up. And my tweet, first tweet was like, "Thankful I started Twitter in time to see dick poop trending. And then like me realizing that i hate people knowing my opinions and like thoughts about... Unless they're my friends and family. Like... Yeah. I don't like doing that at all. Like, you can do it, Chris. But like, I don't sure. know how. Like, I hate the idea of that. I
0: do it. I don't know if I can do it. I think it's like... I think that there's two sides to the the platform and mm-hmm. one is the way I do it and one is the way that you might do it yeah. where it's like professional and it's information from yeah. you and people know what you do for a living and they yeah. know that the tweets are going to be related to that yeah and I, I think that's I follow a lot of both types because I understand the need for both yeah
1: well, I think there's two impulses there's on one side of it, there are people that love just telling you what they think and their inner monologue is not enough. It needs to be outer monologue. Everyone needs to know what I think. <laughs> exactly. And, Tell them, bro. And, preach. And I I can appreciate it with certain people. <laughs> their outer monologue works for me, sure. But there's at the same time, I, I definitely identify with what you're talking about because it's not altogether natural for me. People that I really like, sure, I will let you know. Mm-hmm. But the whole world...
2: Well, it's weird because then like you just see people say something and maybe they're not really thinking about how someone else could interpret it. And all of a sudden this person's like blowing up because they made a mistake or like said something that got missed.
1: Or you say something in passing and then it becomes not passing anymore. Now it's public. Yeah. And it's different.
2: I think people have, especially with being like an advice employee, I think people already kind of want to hate you and are looking for a reason to like point you out and be like, look, she's saying something fucked up or like think I'm just especially more aware of the fact so I always just rather just be very like no personality this is a new thing you should well, check out well,
0: that's how you are in real life so I mean, yeah no not,
2: personality <laughs> it's not I mean it's not really that
0: different <laughs> I mean I think it's really translating well
2: I just think I'm just also terrible at sharing anything my boyfriend always just be like don't know what you're thinking and <laughs> you know like
0: can you just say what you want to eat can you yeah. just tell me what you want <laughs> or like what movie do you want to see can't you're tell, killing me.
2: I can't tell if you're in a good mood or a bad mood or if you're even listening like
0: That's an incredible quality. Yeah.
2: Well what's funny is I think when I went back to Vice after trying a different job for like nine months, Shane like had me in his office, so we want to make you like the first female editor in chief. And I just like looked at him and I was like, Okay, cool. And he just kinda (laughs) He's like, like, Are you short's cool? He gave me this look and he was like, Are you happy about this? And I was like, Yeah. thanks (laughs) thanks
1: <laughs> and he was
2: just like okay and it's like i was like this is just how my face looks <laughs> yeah look this
0: is this is me man this is all you're gonna get so i am excited yeah. i'm not you know i'm not gonna jump it'll up never and
2: it'll never come out internally i was just like what the fuck but outwards i was like okay i accept <laughs>
1: <laughs> what you were talking about reminded me that i love how we can all overcome our more introverted qualities So in your case, you know, you can be a little hard to read sometimes. And sometimes you're not interested in being a social media loudmouth. Mm -hmm. Yet you're drawn to publishing. Mm -hmm. You like shepherding this work into the world. And in a lot of ways, the magazine as a whole, this collective work, becomes your personal mark. Yeah. I identify with that because well, doing this podcast got me thinking. I've always loved working with media brands. You know, my favorite projects have been Forbes, Thought Catalog, gimlet turning those empires loose was super fun but i'm normally the person that helps design and build the media machine not the not the content creator
2: Mm -hmm.
1: besides playing in hints public announcement is the uh is the first time in a long time that i've been on the other side you know as a content creator (laughs) anyway here's where i was headed with that what happened along the way leading you to your role as editor
2: i think that i sort of fell into this role like i I think it was my sophomore, junior year in college, and my counselor was like, you have to pick a major. Like, you gotta do something. And I was like, uh, like I can write and it's gonna be important forever, so I'll do that. I'd always liked Vice, and so it seemed like the natural step was to move to New York and intern there. And then I never really thought through what would happen after the internship. I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna move to New York, I'm gonna intern at Vice, and then I'll just get hired. And then it worked. (laughs) Now I'm here and then I'll just keep doing this for a while. And then had no idea and never thought once or like hoped that I would become theater in chief. Never even crossed my mind until like the minute Shane said it. And I was like, what? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But
0: what has the response been? I
2: think positive. I mean, you always have people who are just like, he'll hate on anything that you put out
0: but do people like to talk to you about that you know like the first female thing is yeah but
2: like i get it and i it is cool you know to be a female that's like the first person in this role and i think that if like other women are inspired or like think it's awesome then that's great but at the same time even if i never really went out trying to get this role i got it because i deserved it and like it made sense i knew i know the company back and forwards and you were fit for the job yeah so that's the point where like I can be happy. I'm getting that kind of attention of like, oh, this is like, you know, it's empowering that you're the first female letter-in-chief. At the same time, it's also like, this is a huge billion-dollar company. They're not going to put me in charge just as like a PR stunt because I'm a female. Like, they think I can do it. So it shouldn't really matter in the end.
1: Is that something that's kind of annoying to have people always asking about it and be like, what is it like? And yeah. that's what we're going to talk about.
2: When it happened, I, New York Mag did an interview with me and it went on their site. And I knew it was coming off that day, that it was going to be something that went on the website, and I just like didn't think that much about it. And then it went up, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" I like screenshot it, send to my parents, like, "Look at me." <laughs> and then I just got started getting like so many people. Like, I stopped having a Facebook because I was so tired of people being like, "You're that are in chief," like just random strangers. And so I never expected that kind of reaction. That's
0: so funny to me. That I would have ex- expected exactly that reaction. I don't know. Like, I would expect people to go insane.
2: That day, I was like, "Fuck." It's obviously calmed down since then. Yeah.
1: but It's strange when people start treating you a little different. Yeah. You know, once athletics started to become a studio that mattered to people in the design world anyway, I found that people start to treat you a little different if there's, you know, something they want from you. Mm-hmm. In our case, it was usually a designer looking for a job. In your case, I don't know, maybe they have more of a PR angle, mm-hmm. but that happened to me slowly over 11 years at athletics. For you, I imagine it was more of an avalanche, particularly when the story is out there and the story of the first woman as editor-in-chief is totally newsworthy. It was mm-hmm. out
0: there, for sure. Yeah. Because I didn't know it was happening.
2: Oh, when the New York article... No, were- no. I didn't
0: know you had gotten the... I don't even think I knew you got oh. the job. And I was like, oh, shit. Let me... Oh, okay. You know, it was good. <laughs> I, think, I think I learned from a press release as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think I probably I probably saw the New York I Magazine I think that's thing. also
2: like, I'm not going to...
0: Send a mass email saying yes, I got a new job. Yes. Check me out, fam. I'm no. killing it. <laughs>
2: no.
0: <laughs> exclamation point! Exclamation
1: point! Exclamation point! No, that, that was right. your email announcing the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yo, got this new podcast. Click here, man. I'm killing it. We are killing it. It's so good. Fuck with me. <laughs> now I th- I did I think I really did find out from from New York Ma- or maybe I knew but I'd forgotten or something and then because I, I remember seeing New York Magazine thing be like oh shit all right this is like really happening you know for sure
1: and like i said it's it's definitely newsworthy yeah mm-hmm. and if you're a young person considering the publishing world it's pretty exciting too you're making your way trying to put together a plan for how you'll ladder up and ultimately have the big job the money the delta sky miles <laughs> <laughs> i bet there's someone listening now just you know looking for that plan but
2: there isn't a plan that's the thing that like i've done a few talks now with like some college kids and they always want to know like how you how you got to where you were Right. obviously when i say like all of a sudden i'm letter in chief like i don't mean it like it just happened overnight i know what i'm doing but it seemed accidental like i just sort of i think i just never really since i didn't know what i wanted to do it's just always just thought of it more as like well, what's the next thing i want to do right now and not so much in like a the next 10 years and so when i got the internship and i moved up here this was like eight years ago or something before people started coming down on companies for not paying their interns
0: <laughs> so,
2: so i think this is i don't think vice was like on its own back then but like i didn't get paid when i interned there and i had graduated from college and i basically interned there maybe three times a week like full days and i think for the first year i literally worked every day doing something like i really didn't really have much time off like working at like random pizza places to make money
1: yeah where were you at i can't remember now
2: i worked at motorino that's right the first day it opened in greenpoint and then i also worked at roberta's
0: I remember Roberta's Pizza God. You're killing it. At least they're both good.
2: Yeah. I mean. Excellent. I thought
0: you were like a shitty slice place. No. (laughs) No,
2: but I'm terrible at being a waitress. I can like give people drinks, you know, and like that's fine. But I can't like the the minute where they're like, well, what wine do you suggest that we pair with this? That's like, I don't know. I'll just pick for you. Don't worry. This (laughs) white wine is really good. Well, what about a red? Well, the Shiraz is great. Have you tried it? Yes. What does it taste like?
0: Uh, It tastes like wine. I mean.
2: So I worked really hard. I mean, it was. It was so small back then that people like Shane and Saroosh, like the founders, they knew who you were. Maybe they didn't know your name right away, but they, they see your face and they know that you're doing something in that part of the company because it's so small that they can't ignore you.
1: I remember the space being just kind of a shitty post-industrial type of spot. Tons of people just jammed in, like very tight.
2: It just became this crazy, huge sort of maze of a building. And then we built out a new space on South 2nd.
1: How important do you think it was that you showed up when you did? The company was at the scale that it was. Do you think that contributed to you both sticking around for a long time and being able to do what you're doing now?
2: I think it was a huge factor because I think Shane and Sarouche and like Eddie Moretti, who's like the chief creative officer, like they appreciate loyalty and they appreciate having people around who know what the brand is and like know eight years ago like what the ethos was. And like when I left, I decided that. I've been at Vice a long time. I just want to do something else, and so I left. And I was the chief of staff for the Daily Mail for like nine months. And just,
0: just I want to go on record now saying that's my favorite website on the internet. And I was the only person who was like, "Yo, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Let's meet for lunch. Can I talk about this?" And you were just like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, not not enthusiastic to say the least." I I think
2: it was. I think I knew from the start that wasn't going to be the job for me, but it was a different experience. It was a good title chance if there's like travel and so I think I just wanted to do something else and it wasn't a job for me and I really didn't like it but when I was thinking of doing something else I wasn't considering going back to Vice and asking for my job back I think I think I was since I was still friends with lots of people at Vice at that time word got had gotten back to Shane that I was like unhappy where I was and I was going to do something else and then they're like what no come back like so I think being around back then I probably just showed you know that you liked the company before it became some huge what's the word that it was the uni- unicorn like <laughs> to call tech companies right like the yeah unicorn if you're yeah. worth a billion dollars yeah um i think they appreciate knowing that like okay someone who worked here
1: i don't really think of vice as a unicorn though i have to admit <laughs> okay that's like that's like instagram that's, using
2: that the right way yeah i just
1: think
0: of uh, yeah it's been around too long it's okay. like too a stat it didn't it's not some overnight shit where it's like all right okay. you guys here's you're worth this much it's like all right it took 20 years i'll, I'll. I just
2: edit it out i just used unicorn the wrong, the wrong way sorry <laughs> 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 i don't remember now if you even answered your question
1: no you did i was just thinking about whether you feel like you had to leave for you to have the opportunity that you have now. I think that's a fair
0: question because I've thought that before. I think a lot of people strategize that way. Take an offer, get this, get that. But I think you did it in a different, like, natural way.
2: It worked out really well, but it wasn't my intention. I think, like, companies, no matter if it's advice or not, I think can easily see through plans like that. If someone's like, you know what, like, I'm going to go get an offer here and, like, leave for a minute and then I'm I'm going to ask, like... I totally
1: disagree.
0: What? The companies can see through it? Exactly. That's that is sometimes
2: if you're so blunt as to be like well I got an offer over at this place and if you don't give me like you know twenty thousand more dollars I'm going to leave that's that's your number (laughs) do do you know what I mean (laughs) that's on the record just want to be clear (laughs) so the question was what if I wouldn't have left do I think I would have ended up where I am now
1: yeah I well I will say when you're in that position and you have a team you're really relying on the team and you're trying to make sure that they're happy and that they feel good about the job and the morale morale, Mm -hmm. you know, team building. It is something you, you do actually think about. And when someone who is amazing, someone that you really like, and they do great work and it's just, and it feels good having them around when you just find out that maybe they're looking or they're taking a lot of sick days Mm -hmm.
0: and you're not sure that they're actually sick. Well, Ellis was hungover, just to be clear. So (laughs) that's not an issue with her, but I see what you're trying to say.
1: But there is that anxiety you get and you start going like, we need to give them a raise or you just get that terror that they're going to leave. That's why I feel like I disagree that people can see through this stuff. When someone was really good, I felt like they probably knew it as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I think if I never would have left, I don't think it's far off to imagine that I could have still ended up where I am. I mean, it's like I said, I, if like nothing would have changed.
1: You should have been live for the job.
2: It's just nine months. And like I said, like I had always been, it just happened that I like did something else and it just all worked out that I came back and it was never like my plan.
0: I think it's also worth pointing out that in this industry, most people have a job for two years. Like publishing is very much like, you do it for two years, you're on to the next one. Even if it's within the same conglomerate, that's just what people do. So I think for you to be there even that long is like you said, like such a testament to like how much you want to be there and how much you like it because that's not normal. Vice is a very
2: unique company. And I swear that like PR didn't coach me to say this kind of, (laughs) but I do think that even though the company is massive now that It still does feel a lot of it like DIY and like lots of your friends do work there. And I'm not the only one who's been there like eight plus years. Like there are still like a good handful of people who, have been there even longer than me who are still there. And I think that. Yeah,
1: that's a good sign. I mean, Vice for sure is a unique snowflake. On the occasions I worked with Vice, I definitely found it to be one of a kind.
0: Yeah, (laughs) me too, man. Me too. A little, just a little different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that's very useful. If you have a corporate culture people want to be a part of, you can get a lot out of people, yes. and and you can trade on cool. You know, it's sort of the old MTV model. You can convince agencies to work for cheap because they want you know radness to rub off on them. You can convince employees to take less money. Interns will slave for zero dollars. We
2: pay interns now, <laughs> and we have for a while. <laughs> Just FYI
0: just you know you can go see our company policy (laughs)
2: okay okay
1: i'm sure the vice interns of today have it deluxe but you know how the cool new york media can mirror worlds of you know fashion art the 90s music biz (laughs) i believe my original thought was that perhaps the fact that vice is so unique perhaps that's the key to keeping people like you leveling you up from intern to management also is this your first time managing that many people
2: So when I was the managing editor for the Daily Mail, you had to manage people, you know, you have to like, you're the one that's running around to like all of the editors being like, where's the story? What's going on? How much money did you spend? Didn't say you could spend that. Like, (laughs) and basically just like hurting everyone and be like, okay, give me everything that I need right now. So I guess the first time that where I was the actual, that part is weird. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I guess any kind of power does feel good. You know, you get...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I
1: thought you were going to come with some like, I don't know, it's been tough, you know. It has been. Oh, no, it's nice. There was,
2: no, there was a but coming after that (laughs) sentence. (laughs) It is nice to feel like you do have a team that you can tell them what to do just because then if you need help, they have to help you. And like, I don't take advantage of that. But it's it's also the weird thing about Vice where I feel like it's so many young people who are very like-minded, have so much the same interests that, if you have a problem with one of your teammates, like if they're coming in late all the time, or if they're not doing such a good job and you have to come down on them, it sort of feels a bit weird because you also sort of feel like their friend because you can go get drinks and like have fun together. So there's like that weird line of like being their boss, but also wanting them to like you and being okay if they don't like you. That's hard.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, when it's somebody that feels like your peer, You—it's a natural to want them to like you.
2: Yeah,
1: I was out last night with you. It's like, yeah, but I came in here at nine. Right. I felt like death, but I showed up, and you didn't. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm still the boss.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But that part is weird. I think I've gotten better at it as I go, but it's still hard. I mean, they don't like coming down on people.
1: I don't think anyone does. I, mean, I don't think anyone's in high school like yo I'm gonna be the tightest manager It's, yeah. I'm, that's what I love <laughs> I dream <Yeah. laughs> and yeah, I'm called <laughs>
2: my managing style versus people I've worked with in the past is like more just sort of straightforward you're doing this you're fucking it up don't do that this is how you should fix it you're not a yeller I'm so surprised yeah. Can you, is, is that crazy
1: <laughs> that would be amazing if you were just turned into a complete pretend maniac pretend I did
0: something wrong okay and then I want you to yell at me just like you do at work
2: <laughs> I also can't do role playing so <laughs> 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 So I don't know, I when I like would give talks to like students, like when I was I went to SCAD, they were just like asking a bunch of questions like, What's your advice? Like how do we get to where you are? Blah blah blah. The advice that I remember giving was just like work hard and be nice to people. Like being a dick isn't really gonna get you anything. Like maybe people will be scared of you. Maybe you'll get a reputation for being like a tough guy. But I think that being nice really helps. Totally agree. I'm looking at you, Chris. I'm a nice guy. I don't, <laughs> I
0: don't, I mean, I yell at people on the street and shit, but I would never in a work situation. I oh, mean, no,
2: that's different. I can yell at people on the street.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if I don't, that's, if they're taking out the whole sidewalk,
0: that's. You got to let them know. Yes.
1: What surprised you about the job in this last year?
2: Mm, I think I forget that, like we were talking earlier about how you're making something that are, go, that'll go out there in the world for everyone to see. Like, I don't think I like, don't really think of it that way. I think like. The way I think of the magazine is like me and my team want to cover these stories because they're interesting to us. We think they're important stories. And once we put it out there, I sort of forget, I think that however X thousands of people are reading this and will have, could have thoughts and opinions or like be upset that you even, like we'd covered the story about, you know, like the Bundy guy who Mm -hmm. was doing like the refuge and feds were trying to like shut it down. We did a profile on part of that group like last year and we called it minor threat, which you guys can appreciate (laughs) um and we put up on twitter and it went went crazy like there's people going back and forth on my twitter arguing about it because the one people side they're like these people are terrorists this is not what the constitution means and other people are like these people are heroes and so when those situations happen i'm always kind of like oh shit like people i'm a part of this conversation whether i want to be or not
1: because maybe before you you were a little more under the radar
2: yeah and like, like I didn't choose to have a Twitter anyways like PR is like you should get a Twitter like I guess I'll do that like I'm not going to get like a Facebook for just me the person Ellis Jones as Vice's EIC like that just is work that I don't want to do I have an Instagram but for my friends like there be people who try to follow me and I don't want yeah, random people to know what I do with my time it just feels wrong
0: I also think they would be disappointed it's like, yeah. I'm a normal, cool person. I'm just out here with my friends doing okay, stuff. I
2: thought you were saying my Instagram is boring. No, no, but... no,
0: no. I'm saying, like, there's no, it's <laughs> no, not like an editor is in chief is like yes, f- I'm jumping not... out of helicopters and saving lives.
2: I'm probably not out most of the week. Like I said, I'm having a bath, watching TV, ordering seamless, drinking wine alone.
0: Classic New York experience. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what every, that's like the most. Like, I'm
2: not doing anything that cool. Like I said, last night, you know, eating meat and cheese and drinking wine on someone's couch and watching star wars. And it was a great time.
0: Yeah. I'm embarrassed for you, but that's okay.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's like anything else. It's what you, you're choosing what to share. It's not like it's that's why I think that's why Snapchat has gotten so popular is because it's
2: raw. I just got a Snapchat and want to delete it, but I'm kind of getting into it. I think I just like it. Cause it feels less serious than Instagram. I feel like with Instagram, even though it's just basically just photos of me and my friends like drinking or like chicken wings that's not my choice <laughs> or like my niece and nephew or my boyfriend like that's what my yeah. instagram is it is not you know artsy nice photos of like being in nepal or whatever the fuck <laughs> or like going to some show or
0: Here's jealous on the back of a camel
2: <laughs> yeah like it's not i don't overthink it but with snapchat you can just do dumb shit and like no one cares like, I would, like
0: that's what it's for
2: i like got a massage yesterday i took a photo of my face because like whenever you get a massage you feel like your face looks like you've smoked a lot of weed because you're just like like you just like feel so calm and relaxed. I took a Snapchat of like a piece of pizza, like just dumb shit because it's just funny and stupid. And like, who cares?
0: I think that's what it's for, though. I really do. That's why it's They're trying to like moment. do it
2: now so like you can call people and like who, whatever. I don't know.
0: All of those platforms try to advance in ways they don't need to.
2: It's like with Instagram, they're going to change the feed so you yeah. can see, like, you should just leave it. It's fun, it's cool. Everyone likes it as is. Like, if you start changing it too much, I got to figure
0: like, out how to make money, though. <laughs> hard out there for a unicorn (laughs) yeah yeah it really is
2: it really is i I have like a stack of all the magazines that i worked on like in my living room at my apartment and i'll always have those or like my kids could see them and it's like i made this and you can touch it and feel it and like give it to people
1: there's an artifact that you yeah and i like that
2: because i think working with the magazine for so long you forget that that's like a nice feeling and so now the magazine comes in i look through it just make sure everything looks okay i put it aside and i like go to the next one so would you it's not,
1: say it's the making of it that is most attractive to you
2: i guess yeah i guess i mean like i said it is nice seeing how something comes together that is nice so you to like see a like hundred or so pages we need to fill up and everyone's sort of assigned different things and seeing it all come together and like picking the photos that go with this and like picking what does opening spread look like and how are you going to convey the message in that and so those that's the part that's really interesting to me
1: you're talking about picking photos the opening spread putting the cover together i love all the behind the scenes talk um one question we had was about the themed issues and you know how those come together
2: doing good themed issues are hard i think because first you've established a theme that you want and what the theme is supposed to be about. So like the prison issue is one of my favorite issues that we've done because it's all about mass incarceration in the U.S. You have to decide what the point of the theme is. And so what are you trying to accomplish? And like, what message do you want to put out there? And then once you decide that, then you have to decide how are you going to convey that in 120 or so pages? Well,
1: I mean, backing backing into a thesis definitely feels a lot different than...
2: I think with themes, it's more precious because you were purposely putting something out there about a single topic that you think is important.
1: And I think the reader knows that that overall the theme is representative of the brand and the people behind this yeah. and that to a degree, these are the things we think. We've all agreed that we want to tell these stories in this way.
2: Well, that's why it's like we don't do fashion anymore because Now, if we want to do something that's like more fashion-y, it's more like, oh, there's a photo portfolio of these beautiful images that maybe might be led by the clothing, but it doesn't mean that we're picking them out or we're like styling it ourselves. So
1: you had been doing that.
2: We had, but we had a fashion editor who did that. So I think that I would be the worst person ever to style a fashion shoot. I'd probably just put everyone in like Adidas Sambas and like, I don't know, like jeans and a black (laughs) t-shirt. Like that would be it.
0: I can visualize that. It's yeah. so weird. It's so easy for me to just jump off. It jumps off the page. Every page, that would it, just be look. It jumps the look. off the page.
2: <laughs> I guess it's like my own version of Health Goth.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Health Goth. It's your version.
2: <laughs> But we're still doing things we just just want them to be purposeful. It'd be really hard to do, make every issue a themed issue and make it good. Oh, that's, yeah, that sounds very challenging to me. Yeah, so I think we'd rather, like, we still always do a fiction issue and we'll still always do a photo issue. Those are like the key. Well, the
0: photo issues are probably the best. I mean, those are some of my favorites for sure. We've been
2: doing them for so long and they've always, people have always really liked them and they're just such a fun, it's like a break from all the rest of the issues because you could just, and then you just spend the whole month just looking at amazing photos and like deciding like oh how do you want to arrange this and where should we put these and it's so much more fun because you don't have to care but you don't have to worry about word count word count and all that you're just like okay cool we we'll, well let's fill up as many pages as possible and we'll it's
0: pick. oversized you know which yeah is nice it's just for the fun format, yeah so
2: that will happen but we'll do that in august instead of july since there's no more july and then we'll do fiction in december and probably like two other themes that we haven't figured out yet for the fall and yeah,
1: what are the big editorial changes have you made with the redesign
2: we did more culture. Right around when Rocco took over, we started doing a lot of everything became very much, very newsy, which is fine. Like, I like.
0: I actually didn't like the newsy stuff.
2: I was going to say, I don't think you did.
0: I just felt like I could get that somewhere else. Yeah, you but I mean? think that
2: we, I think our like investigative long form features will still be newsy. And I think we do a good job at those stories because there's a lot, a lot of them will be stories that you wouldn't see yeah. elsewhere.
0: It needs to be a mix though.
2: Now there will be like a monthly profile. So it was Hannibal Burris for March and for April. that visual artist that young girl chloe wise and so it'll just Uh be you like her i
0: i know her work (laughs) she's canadian actually
2: yeah
1: (laughs) also we have a couple things about vice's history with things like do's and don'ts the music reviews.
0: It was always just, I think when it changed to the fucking puke face or the yeah. smiley face, it just breaks it down to such a like, that's exactly how my feelings operate. I either hate this or I fucking love it. There's no in between. But it was the
2: same thing I think with do's and don'ts. It's almost like they're the exact same kind of format because yeah. you have people out there who are dying for themselves to be featured in the do's and don'ts, but as a don't, because like that's what they really want. They want to be yeah. in Vice yeah, magazine yeah. as a don't, or they want to be reviewed in Vice as barfy face and <laughs> maybe that's funny but i want
0: to go on record <laughs> as wanting to be reviewed as a barfy yeah. face.
2: i've
0: never heard it put that way no you're right that makes it like it's ironic and that silly like then
2: the format and the word doc would say barfy face or pukey face <laughs> Sm- so it was smiley or pukey or barfy that's so um, funny but that's what just felt tired to me yeah no i agree it just felt like it'd been happening so long And it probably was never going to be as good as it once was by the people who were writing them. So it just seemed dumb to keep doing it just for the sake of doing it. It's
1: got to be hard to maintain a level of cleverness. Yeah. My first experience with it, I remember thinking like, this is the most clever shit I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was responding to uh, as much as just the jokes and the writing and overall tone. Um, And so trying to keep that alive forever, it's
2: got to be tough. It just feels dumb to keep making fun of people, honestly. Speak for yourself. (laughs) 100% 100% that was like my reasoning for not wanting to do. I that think Do's anymore. and Don'ts
0: had its heyday where it, to me, kind of like, not to sound dramatic, but like defined kind mm-hmm. of an era to me in a lot of ways. Like that kind of thing was happened at this time, and to keep doing it would just, I don't yeah. know what you're going to do. And like you said, I think that anybody who would be writing Do's and Don'ts now would be imitating the glory days. There's That's no like, there's no And way they
2: always to, had such a male. Everything was always like, oh, you know, this girl looks so hot. I want to come on her. Like, <laughs> oh, I was like jacking off when this thing happened. Like, they always had such a male oh, voice, have, yeah, which yeah. obviously as the first female editor-in-chief, <laughs> <laughs> you're very aware of what you're putting out there and it just again felt stupid for it's like, hard okay, to have half my team is female like why are we still running these things
0: it's hard for that to sit next to the other stuff that you're doing it doesn't, yeah, it it doesn't just, really make sense
2: lots of people i don't think liked how there you could find some really serious stuff next to some really funny ridiculous stuff and i'm not against doing funny ridiculous clever stuff it's just if we're not doing it well let's not do it until we find a good format to do it well
0: yeah i agree with that
1: yeah i mean what is the point of continuing if you're just going to do the same magazine yeah. for the rest of time into the sunset like that's
0: why it's so weird that else is wearing a trucker hat right now just, <laughs> just kind of surprised but i mean i guess whatever you're the editor-in-chief so
2: do you post photos of this so they know i'm not wearing a trucker hat
0: no 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 i i think people know i think that was a pretty obvious bedford 2007 joke that you know people get
2: i've never once owned a trucker hat <laughs> for the record oversized new era atlanta baseball cap yes definitely i have a picture of with you the tag hat. still on yes oh
0: kept the tags on i definitely have a photo of that the circle <laughs> tag
2: or the other tag i think both because i wasn't sure which one you're supposed to take yeah you weren't
0: i was fuck I, i'm gonna keep them both because yeah. i don't want to mess this up i'm only buying one hat <laughs> how do you how do you just de-stress ellis like what do you do do you just, do you jog? Do you listen? I mean, you don't listen to podcasts.
2: I went to the gym today.
0: Hell yeah. Are you lifting? Are you cycling?
2: No. Um, Aerobics? Me and Ryan Duffy do spin class every Tuesday.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> well, I would love to, I, I would take the subway out here on a Tuesday night to participate in that.
2: I don't exercise that much. I should do it more. For relaxing, I don't know, lots of red wine.
0: Mm, stay.
2: Yep. So I like to, when I get off work, probably just go home and like watch Netflix. Drink some wine. Take a bath sometime. Oh, wow. There,
0: there You're really taking it enough well, I think that... Some salts or no? Like, is there a...
2: Yeah, I got some, some, I got some stuff.
1: <laughs> a Budweiser in the
2: bathroom.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, I could see that.
2: Maybe. Maybe more like wine. I don't like beer lately at all. Really? Like, maybe one right now would be fine. <laughs> if you guys would have brought some or offered to me. <laughs> when I come home, the last thing I really want to do is read. That's why I always watch dumb TV on Netflix. Because you want to zone out. That's why I want to watch Cheers, you know? Yeah, that's why I'd watch Sex in the City or, like, Friday Night Lights. Wow, Rom-coms. throwbacks. You don't watch
0: new shit? You don't watch all the new I've Netflix watched, fire? Do
2: they? I watched Love. I, I watched, loved Love, just for the record. I liked it.
0: I thought it was the most accurate show of that kind in the last few years, where, like, it felt it, like some of those other shows, it's like, all right, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, this is too...
1: They're trying so hard.
0: Yeah. yeah I
2: think I'm, like, up on all that kind of stuff. Like, I think I've watch a good amount of those kind of shows but also i think my go-to if i just want to like zone out and just like eat something and just not think is like I watched love actually like a thousand times wow oh, that's my shit so good i'm gonna all right guys a, a good rom-com
0: I'm, yes. done, I'm done here so I'll, I'll see you guys later thanks <laughs> thanks for your time ella you've been great i love I you i thought we
2: were just gonna talk about rom-coms the whole time uh, i just... mean who
0: doesn't like a rom-com i don't understand the watching something over and over i, I see movie once I, I process i'm on
1: ghosts of christmas <laughs> past like that's fine just queue oh. it up anytime failure to launch i mean really it's any failure to, to launch. launch
2: oh my god <laughs>
0: Any McConaughey. <laughs> Don't put words into her mouth. Be like, oh, uh, did you hear Ellis? She likes failure to launch. What the fuck? I thought she was cool, man. What the? What's the deal? Love actually gets a weird pass because I think it's so. Oh, it's it was so strong. big. You know, it's really good. I mean, it is good. I mean, I'm not saying it's not good. <laughs> Plus,
2: you know, my connection to London is so strong. It's just, that it just makes you feel at home. Yeah, it's like a big
0: hug <laughs> that you just want to feel for an hour and a half.
1: Notting Hill. Also a good. That's hug. good too. Yeah.
2: Bridget Jones's Diary one and two <laughs> there's a new one coming out really i think so bridget jones diary has like a baby or something
0: but <laughs> Bridget Jones' diary has a baby is the official uh, title
2: hugh grant i don't think is in it i think he won't come back
0: hugh grant doesn't need to do that anymore he's rich
2: he was rich during those first two movies too
0: yeah but he was younger so, i mean hugh grant might be almost 60.
1: i saw something on uh who was it oh it was uh gwen stefani is older than ted cruz
0: yeah I saw that too. Whoa, funny looks good.
2: She looks really good.
1: I think
0: she looks better than ever. I, uh, I mean, I think she's had,
2: you know, stuff done. Must have
0: some Hollywood. She's had a little something. <laughs> Any celebrity, Haley's like, oh well.
2: I mean,
1: she's, I can't hate crazy. on it. I can't. You know, Accutane changed my life. If she's, I mean, Never. she's
0: fifty, she's late forties, probably. Yeah,
1: maybe forty-eight.
0: Well, just a quick fun fact 40. for you guys. You know, she put out her new solo album. She played mm-hmm. SNL last night, actually, okay. and the band no doubt is now fronted by davy havoc from afi
2: oh i've heard this <laughs> i didn't know that why like, i
0: think they're because i think those guys are like yo we want to make some money too you're rich you're very very rich they just probably want to like tour and she can't because she's got a whole schedule mm-hmm. with her solo album i'll stop boring you
1: with that are we good <laughs> cool cool um, did you listen to the other one
2: mm-hmm.
1: she's never let's go, go back podcast. to
2: the beginning of the podcast i have never listened to a podcast that's definitely <laughs> the opener be- I'll, watch, I'll listen to that one. It's just the one. I'll listen to it. I promise.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> just promise me you won't listen to the one that you're on. And then we'll have, we'll have a deal.
2: I probably won't.
1: You're listening to Public Announcement. I'm James Ellis.
0: And I'm Chris Black. This week's episode was produced and mixed by Jim Nicholas.
1: Visit publicannouncement.org to see our lovely faces.
0: And you can communicate with us anytime via iTunes review. Oh, yeah. And I expect five stars. Why it mean? Why it mean? Why it
1: mean? Why didn't it mean? Many thanks to
0: Ellis for making the time. And to Fletcher C. Johnson for what may be our theme song. You know his new record is out. Lesson in tenderness. I don't know if you've seen it yet. The packaging very strong. I love packaging. Uh, check out his first single, Wilder Than Me.
1: And to Ayad Aladami and Diamond City Studios. Previously, it was a studio called Gigantic, but you know now Ayad's in here. New name, new regime.
0: Maybe this is the first recording from Diamond City.
1: <laughs> it might be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Chet, look for me. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening and stay tuned next week. We will be back maybe on Tuesday this time.
0: Sometime during the week. (laughs) I can be sure of that.